Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 36, Development of Domestic Policy in the 1920s. I am your host, William Parsley, and in this episode, we learn how the first democratically elected government was formed in Estonia, and what political parties were around during the country's formation. We learn that coalition governments have always been a thing in the Rigikogu, and that between 1921 and 1931 there were 11 cabinets, with an average life of each cabinet of about 11 months. So, the recent dissolution of the Estonian parliament is just par for the course if we take a step back and look at the history of the Rigikogu. Development of Domestic Policy in the 1920s Estonian parties cannot be considered according to the general definition, which says that a party is an organization consisting of a more active part of a social group which aims to carry out a definite political program. In Estonia, the parties were rather associations of people sharing views on some economic or socio-political matters. Often the policy documents of Estonian parties were rather indefinite, allowing no concrete conclusion on the political views of a given party. The most right-wing was the Farmers' Party, which grew out of the Estonian Rural League formed in 1917. This organization, which initially had represented professional interests of rural people, gradually changed into a party of wealthy farmers and members of the urban bourgeoisie involved with agriculture. Its members shared an interest in promoting agriculture through the advancement of big farms. The leader of the party were Konstantin Potts, Johann Leidener, Jan Temont, and Jan Hunersen. The oldest of the parties was the Estonian People's Party, led by Jan Tunnison. It's mainly united southern Estonian groups, including representatives of the intelligentsia, the urban bourgeoisie, and peasants. It was a moderate liberal party united by the idea of accentuating nationalism. Among the prominent members of the People's Party were such people as Jan Poska, Yuri Jokson, and Jakob Vestholm. In 1919, the Christians' People Party separated from the People's Party. This united a more clerical part of the population who were not satisfied with the weakening role of the church and the weakening of Christian morals. In the second half of the decade, the proportion of Christians decreased, and soon the party became mainly the defender of the rights and property of congregations. This tendency was fostered by the leading positions of the clergymen in the party. In the center of Estonian political life stood the Estonian Labor Party, the social basis of which consisted of representatives of the petty bourgeoisie, teachers, civil servants, artisans, shopkeepers, and small landlords. The aim of the party was to raise the living standard of the middle class through social reforms. Among the leaders of the party were Otto Strandman, Otto Underkup, Johan Kuk, 
and Anse Peep. In 1923, a small holders association separated from the Labor Party. It brought together small holders, primarily the owners of homestead farms. The party came into being as a purely professional association. Its ideological basis developed from the view that the only source of wealth from a state is agriculture. From that basis, the party demanded advanced development of agriculture, especially of small, holder, of small holdings. The leaders of the Small Holders Association were Oscar Kuster, Rudolf Pinno, and Otto Tief. On the left wing of the political spectrum stood the Estonian Socialist Workers' Party. This was a socialist reformist party, typical of Europe, which saw as its goal as the establishment of socialism in a peaceful way. They aimed to achieve a majority in the elections to parliament. When in parliament, they wanted to pass laws on social reforms. A considerable proportion of the members of the Socialist Party were industrial workers. Representatives of the urban and rural poorer classes also belonged to the party. The Estonian Socialist Workers' Party developed into two wings. The right wing was represented by August Rey, Karl Ost, and Alexander Oynes, while the left wing representatives were Mikkel Martina, Alexander Joar, and Erik Jonas. The organization uniting the Estonian Bolsheviks was the Estonian Communist Party, which had become formally independent in November 1920. In practice, it was led from Moscow as a section of the Comintern. In Estonia, its activity was forbidden. Therefore, its members operated illegally. As well as the larger parties listed, small groupings were active at different periods such as the Homeowners Association, the Tenants Association, the Demobilized Soldiers Association, and the National Liberal Party. Among these were also extreme left-wing parties, which dissolved and re-emerged from time to time, as well as parties representing the interest of ethnic minorities, such as the Baltic German Party, Russian National Association, and others. None of these played a significant role, however. The First Constitution. Compiling the Constitution of the Estonian Republic became the task of the Constituent Assembly as soon as it started to function. After a lengthy period of preparation, the Constitution was adopted on the 15th of June, 1920. According to the Constitution, Supreme power in Estonia belonged to the people. People were given a chance to execute their power through parliamentary elections, popular initiatives, and referenda. Referenda could be held on the adoption of all essential bills. Popular initiatives gave people a right to make their own proposals for improving legislation. Legislative power was executed by the Rigikogu, a unicameral or one-chambered parliament, and its 100 members were elected by the people every three years. The right to vote was generally granted to all men and women 
over the age of 20. Several Western European countries granted women the right to vote considerably later. Elections were organized by proportional representation, for which not a single candidate but lists of members of different parties were voted. Executive power was performed by the government, which was responsible to the Rigikogu. When Parliament expressed a lack of confidence in the government, the latter had to step down. The government consisted of ministers and the Rigi Vanam, or state elder. The Rigi Vanam fulfilled the tasks of a prime minister, to which were added some functions of a head of state, such as representing the state at various official events. The Constituent Assembly had considered establishing the post of a president of Estonia who would be empowered to arbitrate disagreements between the Rigi Kogu and the government. The left-wing representatives turned down the suggestion for fear of concentrating too much power in the hands of one person. The Rigi Vanam could not play an arbitrating role as he depended on the support of the parliament. Local governments in counties, towns, settlements, parish councils, and governments were very independent in deciding local affairs. The Constitution established wide civil rights. The most essential of these was complete equality of the citizen before the law, regardless of their nationality, gender, religion, property status, and so on. The Constitution also guaranteed the inviolability of personal liberty and the sanctity of the home, freedom of unions, meetings, conscience, religion, and expression of personal ideas in words, as well as the right of private property and the freedom to strike. It should be noted that the constitutional rights did not extend over the whole territory of Estonia. In Tallinn, in frontier areas, and around the railways, a state of emergency was valid, which allowed the restriction of several rights guaranteed by the Constitution. The state of emergency had been intended to be temporary, but remained until 1934, when it was made nationwide. How was Estonia governed, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. In the 1920s, the first Rigikogu was elected. By that time, the left-wing euphoria was disappearing, and the socialists who had dominated the Constituent Assembly lost their leading position. The Farmers' Party and centrist groupings increased their representation. This trend lasted for the whole decade. Centrist parties received more than one-third of the votes, which were split between numerous small parties. The left-wing parties usually collected about 30% of the votes, the lion's share of which received by the Social Democrats. Somewhat fewer votes, 21-24%, to 24%, were received by the farmers' parties. The plethora of parties meant that none of them were able to form a strong government alone. The only type of government that could come under discussion was a coalition government, that usually included at least three parties, but most likely four or five. In concluding coalition agreements, temporary compromises were made, which often brought 
the parties to the disagreements in cabinet crisis. In the years of 1921 to 1931, Estonia had 11 cabinets. The average lifespan of a cabinet was about 11 months. Considering how young democracy in Estonia was, this was not a bad achievement. Even so, several changes of cabinet took place considering not the interest of the state as a whole, but those of a certain party who were interested in getting more power within the cabinet. This kind of action caused dissatisfaction with the parties among the people. The Struggle Against the Enemy of the State The greatest problem at the beginning of the decade was counteractivity to Estonian independence. The forces involved with this were the following. Russian immigrants who dreamt of restoring the Russian Empire and denied the independence of a small nation. The Baltic German nobility who wanted their previous privileges and economic supremacy returned. And communists who were backed by the Comintern and the government of the Soviet Union. It was the illegal activities of the communists that presented the greatest danger. The Estonian Communist Party acted according to the commands arriving from Moscow and was supported by them. The program of the Estonian Communist Party advocated the overthrow of the Estonian government, the establishment of Soviet power in Estonia, and joining the Soviet Union. At the beginning of the decade, local communists enjoyed great success on the basis of the post-war economic difficulties. The generally democratic slogans they used, pay rises, shortening of the working day, creating a system of pension and health insurance, canceling the state emergency, won support from the poor layers of the population. Many communists made up the list of other parties to get into the Rigikogu and the councils of the bigger towns. This provided them with wider opportunity to spread their propaganda. While in the public, the communists claimed only the improvement of living standards of the working people. Illegally, the Estonian Communist Party prepared to take power. A revolt took place on the 1st of December, 1924. About 300 armed fighters attacked government offices, communication centers, and military units in Tallinn. As the workers did not support the rioters and the soldiers remained loyal to the government, the coup d'etat attempted was put down in a couple of hours. It happened so quickly that the revolters were not able to contact Moscow for help. Therefore, the planned invasion of Estonia by the Red Army did not happen, and the conspiracy was successfully crushed. It still claimed the lives of 21 innocent citizens and 21 revolters. The number of those executed by a military tribunal was also very large. The revolt became a self-destructive act for the Estonian Communist Party. As people turned away from their violence, at the end of the decade, the party had only about 300 members, half of whom were in prison. The realization of the danger from the communists made the parties assemble more tightly and temporarily forget their disagreements with each other. 
In order to fight the anti-state forces, a law of defense of the regime was adopted and the Esti Kaitselit, or the Estonian Defense League, a voluntary armed organization of citizens, was restored. In order to involve ethnic minorities, a law of cultural autonomy was passed, which gave the representatives of other nationalities residing in Estonia rich opportunities to solve their ethnic cultural problems. The international position of Estonia was strengthened by the decision to compensate the Baltic German barons for their landed property that had been nationalized. As a result of the above-mentioned steps the, and overcoming of economic hardships, the domestic policy of Estonia stabilized considerably. By the end of the decade, no further upheavals were anticipated. In the 1920s, Estonia managed to get rid of Russian economic inheritance and develop an economic structure meeting the needs of an independent state. Integration of the Estonian economy into the economic space of Europe began. And that is where we will leave our timeline for now. In the next episode, we look at how the Great Depression affected the Estonian economy and how the freedom fighters from the War of Independence became a political party called the Association of Veterans, though eventually not all who joined were veterans. This group became the largest and most influential party in Estonia in the early 1930s. If you would like to say hello, you can contact me at sparsleyw at gmail.com. You can send me a message on History of Estonia's Facebook page, or you can follow me on Twitter at Parsley11. Well, thanks for listening, and until next time, Nagamiseni.